I V M. This is a special edition of Pesa Vesa. On this episode, we have Shalin Shah, an angel investor and founder of Spiral Ventures, a fund focused on fintech and industrial IoT. This is the first part of the series where Anupam talks to Shalin about history of money, barter system, and how cryptocurrencies came into existence. Folks, welcome to Pesa Vesa. I am your host Anupam Gupta and if you have been interested in cryptocurrencies which I'm sure you have because you can't miss the headlines these days can you bitcoins here bitcoins there ethereum and so many other things I've personally not been able to make any sense of them I have with me a special guest for this uh, for this topic Shalin Shah uh, I heard the podcast on Sheila Ditya's Shunya one and I thought it was really interesting and Shalin has done a lot of things which includes uh, being in hedge funds and a lot of other stuff and he has also invested in cryptocurrency exchanges i'm yep. going to hand this over to Shalin who will give us a background of himself what all he's done and he's done a lot of different stuff and what made him invest in cryptocurrencies right Shalin over to you Thanks Anubam. So I've actually been listening to a few of your podcasts oh, as well, thanks. learning a little bit about insurance yeah. for example. I think uh the earlier episodes were very interesting as well just Thank because you. I'd never kind of gone through the Indian markets at as well sure. uh especially for insurance. Mm-hmm. Um so a little bit about myself. So I completely grew up in the US. Um I studied there uh mechanical engineering and biomedical engineering mm-hmm. at Carnegie Mellon. Uh worked at a hedge fund for 5 6 years. um in the US markets uh you know in public equities in the US okay. then i joined the piramal group actually in boston right where it was led by the at that time just uh turned into a dean of harvard business school in the noria of course yeah and uh we deployed you know just short of a billion dollars in a year and a half and this uh, is for investment in the indian market um no pretty much international so oh. we actually invested a little bit in uh Germany we we had a spin off of biohealthcare okay. we bought out a information management company in in the US mm-hmm. and a few other things that we had kind of done while while I was there done hedge funds hedge funds in across what asset classes just just public equities in the US okay. so equity real estate okay. um okay. so actually the at in Boston it was not real estate it was more private equity okay um then i moved to bombay to work with the piramals okay uh, where it was largely real estate right. uh, but also working on things like the shriram transport transaction, transaction yeah, which yeah. is one of the first things i kind of was That's dealing with a big with. one and then also you know the, i guess the last thing i did with the piramals was lead the fundraising for them for piramal realty okay um which was the first time i've been on the sell side okay. and we ended up raising from goldman sachs and more pinkus which okay. were great partners to have okay i should probably get you in on real estate in india if at all you look at the asset and whether that's good or not because a lot of people yeah. out there have this entire thing how oh, how about why is mumbai real estate so expensive should i buy a house should i invest in a house and honestly i have no idea i don't know if that makes sense to you <laughs> the uh after even the 5 years i've been doing that i still don't understand bombay <laughs> real estate to be honest <laughs> what period was this with the with the pvls for the real estate part here um, in bombay from 2012 to 15 okay so the, you got i think you pretty much got one part of the leg up because 2009 was when the bottom happened for the real estate market out here and then a lot of places it just you know i think it probably topped around about 2014 2015 after yeah, that last couple right. of years it's been a bit this so 
Tell me about cryptocurrencies. What what you know you've you've done real estate. You've done so many other assets. What led you to? Yeah. So um, for me, so now after the Paramals, I basically am trying to raise a fund to invest in fintech startups. Okay. Um, I've been, I guess, the very first investment in a seed stage investment I've ever made was in a company called Coinbase. Okay. Uh, Coinbase based in India? No, Coinbase is based in San Francisco. Okay. And they are one of the first um, exchanges for cryptocurrency. Okay. Initially, they only were doing Bitcoin. Right. And um, they are probably one of the best funded companies in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're highly profitable. Okay. Um, maybe off the air, I can tell you how profitable. Right. And they have, you know, uh, something around $250 million in the bank today. Wow, um, in cash? Yes, wow. because they okay. generate a lot of profit. Okay. Listeners, just to uh, just to explain the concept of an exchange, uh, whenever there's an asset class which is traded on a daily basis, when you look at stocks, stocks have exchanges, commodities, commodities uh, have exchange. Uh, in India, for example, you've got the Bombay Stock Exchange if you want to trade in public stocks. You've got the National Stock Exchange. For commodities, similarly, you've got MCX, or N- NCDEX, and a lot of other exchanges. So, Cryptocurrencies is something similar. You also have exchanges for that where you can buy and sell. So just to put that in perspective, go on. So um, Coinbase is one of those companies that also has a wallet, an exchange, and cold storage, which we can get into each one of these uh, at maybe a later point uh, once we've kind of gone over what Bitcoin is and and kind of the background. Um, But, uh, you know, just basically in in a couple of words, each the wallet just is a a placeholder for where you can, an address essentially to where you can deposit your Bitcoin. Right. Um, Cold storage is oftentimes used so that there's an offline way to hold Bitcoin in case you're very skeptical Hmm. about security. Okay. And the exchange is where you can obviously trade, generally traders that want to do higher volumes okay. um, with less kind of uh, fees associated will get on to sure. the exchange to trade. Sure. So Coinbase, any other thing, uh, any other investments in crypto? So this was my first and only. Okay. Uh, I had invested in Bitcoin at the same time. Okay. I think that uh, if I look at both investments hmm. uh, from a return perspective, hmm. I still hold Coinbase. Okay. Um, I invested in Bitcoin, but very quickly got out of it because ah. I thought I had made a lot of money when I saw eight times my money oh, in boy, that a few must months. Suck, yeah. um, so it was, you know, in the teens when I bought Bitcoin. Hmm. And uh, today I kick myself well, every you're day. Still, you're still invested, uh, maybe in an indirect manner. So you're still, you know, you're still riding that boom. I'm sure. Yeah. No, that's true. Okay. So let's get into a basic introduction of cryptocurrencies. You know, the history, utility, all the terms that you told me about. You said about wallet, cold storage. I think we can start with what exactly is a cryptocurrency. Um, so if I may, sure. I, just if I can quickly run through kind of the history of money just so yes. it gives the impact That's a good of perspective. what yes, yes, and yes. why Bitcoin is important. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of documentaries actually on money and the history of money. Yes. You know, if you kind of ever go on to Netflix. The whole barter like, system and stuff yeah, like that. So yeah. there's Zeitgeist, which was a great documentary. There was, um, there was the smartest guys in the room that was about Enron and the kind of fiasco about yes. around there. There was true cost. And, you know, if you want to hear Matt Damon be the guy talking, then inside there's job. inside job. Oh, oh boy, inside job was, yeah. Okay. But I'll try to summarize basically kind of a little bit about money and sure. uh, why Bitcoin became or is today so relevant mm-hmm. in that history and evolution of 
money. Okay. Um, so if you kind of go back and kind of visualize now kind of caveman time. Right. Uh, at that point, you know, obviously no phones, no nothing. Right. Uh, how do you kind of trade with each other? If I am growing, I don't know, wheat and you're growing rice, I want rice. How do I kind of trade with you? And right. so there was a barter system. I'd say I right. want one, you know, bushel of rice and right. you want one bushel of wheat. Let's just trade. But then it became a little bit more complicated where if I didn't want the bushel of rice, I wanted the bushel of you know, cotton, cotton maybe, or yeah, something yeah. and you had the cotton, but you wanted the bushel of something else. Yeah. How do we kind of trade yeah. um, if what each other has is not what we want? Nothing common at all. So if there's no commonality, then yeah. what do you do? Yeah. So the immediate kind of ease uh, of use was to kind of find a commodity that everybody wants. Sure. Um, which could be seeds, it could be cows, it could be anything Plants, that's... You whatever, know, yeah. Exactly. And so then that becomes, you know, essentially the first uh, adoption of money, so to say, from mm -hmm. just pure barter. Okay. So seeds now is our usage of money. Yes. Where I'm saying, okay, I want your, your rice, even though you don't want my wheat, right. I have seeds to give you. Yeah. Here's X amount of seeds. Right. So my job becomes then to find seeds from somewhere keep them, store them, mine them, whatever it is, so that whenever I need something, I can go out and say, hey, I've got 10 seeds or 20 seeds, give me what I need. Exactly. Sure. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so now, the problem with seeds now or cows is that it's not easily transportable. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, something that uh, you can't just go around carrying everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. um, so then, you know, the evolution of seeds to metals came about, which is scarce metals like a copper, silver, gold, etc. Scarce at that point of time also, because that's how you know they're rare. So if you have, if you have that with you, you hold something valuable. Correct. Sure. Okay. Which then um, was divisible. And so you can cut it up into smaller pieces so that you can kind of trade it. Hmm. Um, was also, you know, smaller objects so that you don't have to carry around, you know, bags and bags hmm. of seeds. Uh, so it made kind of a jump from seeds or other kind of commodity money to some metallic form of money. Correct, yeah. And so if you go from that metal, then what started happening was governments. Or, so I guess even if you take one step back, hmm. that metal then became very interesting because things happen in terms of people stealing your metal. Yes. Things happen where, you know, how do you kind of transport metal, et cetera, yeah. um, and store the metal. So initially what ended up happening was people started giving their metal to be stored in temples. Right. Um, right. And the temples would basically give you a receipt yeah. of some form and say, here, you know, you have X kilograms of copper or X kilograms of yeah. gold. And here's the paper showing that you own yes. that much money. Yes. And so that paper became your, you know, value. Yeah. So now you could give this paper if you needed to, to somebody else and you basically have transferred your money to somebody else. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So you don't have to go and take your five kg of gold. Now right. you just kind of gave this piece of paper, which the temple is holding for you right. and gave that paper away. So you've just converted a big form of a physical bulky asset to a piece of paper by just moving the authority of exchange to that you know, to a much easier mode. That makes things much, much easier for everybody who's going to use that. Exactly. Sure. Okay. So from the temples, if you kind of fast forward, this became more of a government and banks issue. So right. now instead right. of you storing at a temple, you're storing and the, the governments have taken over. And so they've given you 
a coin or some kind of paper that yeah. basically bears their name on it yeah. and their kind of issuance on it. And, and you've so, got un- units also now. So that is like $10 backed by $10 worth of gold. And the gold is in the bank and the currency note is with us. Correct. Sure. Okay. So now you have this paper that is backed by gold. Yes. Um, that is owned by essentially the government. Yes. Um, or run by the government, yes. I should say. Which, by the way, if I kind of sidetrack here, yeah. the in the India, we actually never had gold-backed currency. We had okay. silver-backed currency. So right. from the Mughal Empire time, the rupiah kind of comes from Mughals, oh. which was all silver-backed. Okay. Um, okay. Which caused a lot of trouble for India in the current century, actually, or last century, actually, mm. because um, silver used to be far more rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became far more common. Okay. And so there was, uh, most of the world was gold-backed, right. while India was silver-backed. So oh. it caused a lot of you know, problems for India in general. So if we then kind of say, hey, look, you know, I have this paper now from governments Mm. that I can go and trade with. Mm. After that, what ended up happening was basically that these governments said, hey, look, or these banks basically said, hey, look, I'm storing your your gold now. Mm. We don't need to tie the money to gold anymore. We'll Mm -hmm. just kind of, this paper actually has value. Mm -hmm. Is that this paper now, doesn't mean that you'll get five kgs of gold. It just means yeah. that it's it holds some value. Yeah. It's my promise. It's my word. I'm trust saying me. That it's worth, yeah. Trust me. Yeah. It's worth five dollars yeah. now. I don't know what that gets you, but it's got value. Yeah. There's a the Bretton Woods thing in the seventies that yeah. basically that it ended the entire gold uh, the back system. The gold back system. Sure. Go Correct. On. Yeah. And so suddenly now you were putting in. Uh, in you know you weren't putting you weren't getting back potentially gold mm. from a bank mm. they were just telling you hey we have your money and yeah. this is the cash that you're depositing um and that's that yeah. it's 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 and i think that's why all currency notes have that promise part yeah. on that i promise to pay the recipient yeah. whoever it is 10 rupees or whatever it is worth okay yeah okay so now if you kind of take another step forward mm. uh, you know from this cash that these banks now Uh, have and you're depositing Mm. to Mm. they went one step further and said look you know what why do you need to carry on cash everywhere um, to store the money we're gonna just flick a few kind of keys here and digitally we have shown that you have an extra few figures on your bank account okay and so now you don't have to carry around cash we just have to adjust this digit on the on our ledger right uh, that shows that you now have you know uh one crore in cash right. in our bank, but right. you don't need. We don't need to hold the cash anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so suddenly you've come to the digital age today. Right. right. And um, and so now you don't really, you know, have this cash sitting somewhere. Mm-hmm. The banks also now are kind of all digitized, and mm. so you know, there's basically some numbers on some register that's that are sure. showing on your sure. on for your ledger. Okay. And um, and that's that's where we are today. Okay. So we had cash, we had credit, uh, plastic money. Uh, we even moved to digital wallets. Yeah. Where does cryptocurrency come from? Where you know where did it originate? I'm I've you know I was listening to the Shunya One podcast and there was a lot of the trust system out here. I think which cryptocurrencies said that we are going to set up completely uh, something completely different. There is going to be a ledger, but that ledger is, you know, it's not in the conventional way, the way that banking systems exist today, that I go to an ATM, I withdraw money, or if I swipe my credit card, I can buy, uh, say, a mobile phone, or if I use my digital wallet, saying, okay, all of that is on one side, we're going to come with a completely different way of transacting. How does that come about? Sure. So now if we go into what Bitcoin is. Sure. Um, so 
why this was such a big jump and innovation for money okay. from you know trading barters or seeds or gold or other things right was that if you split bitcoin into two pieces mm-hmm. one is blockchain technology hmm. and two is bitcoin as kind of a currency that sits on this blockchain okay so first the technology point of view um, what's great about it without getting to the technicals of the technology what's sure. the benefits of it are first um, essentially this is something that is openly visible okay this the ledgers here are kind of clear mm-hmm. um, nobody really owns them uh, so there's no central bank that you have to go to okay that kind of make sure that hey what you put into the bank mm-hmm. You know, somebody's accounting for it and what they give out to somebody else on loan, hmm. they're accounting for it. Hmm. Here, the entire ledger of who has what hmm. is all publicly available and anybody can see it. Okay. That being said, is that it's very hard to attach an address okay. to an individual. So okay. it remains relatively anonymous, if right. not entirely anonymous, okay. um, whereby even though it is publicly available, right you still can't figure out whose address is who. Okay. You can let just trace where things have gone. Okay. Let me get this into a specific example, right? So let's sure. say the two of us are transacting into, say, you. I'm paying you, whatever, say, three bitcoins for you to do a specific work for me. Mm-hmm. Can Shraddha know this transaction? She could see that if she knew both our wallet addresses, okay. she could see that money had been traded between these addresses. Okay. It'd be very hard for her to find out who what these addresses are unless you know you gave them to her. So is that like saying a wallet address is like an IP address? Because for an IP address, you can go into a yeah. who is directory and find out okay, this is the name and this is the address. Is that similar to that or? Uh, Somewhat similar, but not okay. quite. Um, sure. There isn't kind of a lookup system for these addresses, okay. and your addresses can constantly change. Okay. Um, you don't have to have one address. Okay. Um, okay. You don't want to have to have one wallet for that matter either. Right. And so. That's why it's not necessarily trackable or traceable. Okay, okay. But at the same time, she does see that money was go, went from one wallet or one address to right. another wallet. Okay, um, okay. And so, for example, if she's a merchant receiving the wallet, she can verify that, look, I have received the money. Okay. And so that's publicly available. And she didn't have to go through Visa, MasterCard, or HDFC, or uh-huh. SBI right. to verify that the money has come into her you know, account. Right. Which means that now there's no cost to the merchant because right. she doesn't have to pay the credit card company or the banks to verify and transact right. with that. So that's the other kind of positive thing is that it's an open and visible ledger. Sure. The second thing is there's no transaction costs. Right. That's so like saying that if I use a, if I swipe my credit card to buy petrol, there are two or three entities involved already. There's a petrol pump, there is probably the bank, then there's, and there's me. In Say, if the petrol pump accepts Bitcoin, you just take away the bank from the transaction. Is the bank the, and the credit card. There's the bank no, and the no card. verification that uh, the credit card needs to do with the card. Okay. And so, from that perspective, you've just got out two, two middlemen, and so, you know, you have essentially free transaction costs. Okay. Now, today, we as, uh, you know, people that are using cards and banks don't necessarily see the cost directly. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you do, you know, if you open a checking account, don't have that much money, you may have maybe charged for it. Okay. Same thing with credit cards. Credit cards actually aren't charging necessarily 
us yes. unless you are taking out a loan with them in yes. the sense that you don't pay back in time yeah. then you're essentially taking out a loan with them and then yeah. you pay interest yeah. but if you pay on time there's no charge with a credit card yeah. and that's because the merchants Merchant is paying are for paying that. for that yeah. so yeah. the bhajiwala or the guy that that's at the kirana store or hmm. vodafone hmm. they're taking the cost and bearing the cost right. of the credit card in that situation right. and you know essentially if that's a cost they're by nature passing it on to their consumers right so while we're directly not paying for it hmm. we are paying for it at a higher cost because now vodafone's x number of minutes is going right. to be a little bit more ex- expensive because right. i had to pay by credit card so basically what you know once you involve an intermediary between two people the cost go up correct that's probably one of the reasons why cash which is what right. we know as currency is so much more easier to transact there's no third party out there yeah. i pay you 10 bucks you know you've you've received it it's visible it's done so i think that's one advantage or even one similarity that bitcoin has with physical cash and it's yeah. much better that to that extent uh than say a credit card or a debit card have i got that right yeah that's absolutely right okay great uh, folks that was the first part of our series on cryptocurrencies in this episode we covered the history of money the barter system a lot of other things and how cryptocurrencies came to exist their utility and and how they work in the second part we're going to move to a very indian specific context and my guest shalin shah is going to take us through how cryptocurrencies and bitcoins work in india stay tuned thank you for listening If you have any money related questions you can tweet to us at IBM podcasts or email us at pesavesa@indusvox.com No material on the show should be considered as financial advice the material on the show is for informational purposes only please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision